but I tend to have this spot around 2,500 words where a lot of my stories will sit. uh, In my opinion, you can't do anything about how long or short your story is. I don't feel like if you write a story and it has a sense of completion, you can't go, oh, I'm going to tack another 500 words on to make it X amount. I think you really have to end it when it wants to be ended. Welcome to Rights for Women, a podcast all about celebrating women's voices and supporting women writers. I'm Pamela Cook, women's fiction author, writing teacher, mentor and podcaster. Before beginning today's chat, I would like to acknowledge and pay my respects to the Dharawal people the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, along with the traditional owners of the land throughout Australia. And a quick reminder that there could be strong language and adult concepts discussed in this podcast, so please be aware of this if you have children around. Let's relax on the Convo couch and chat to this week's guest. Hello, my name is Joanna Nell and I'm delighted to be guest presenting this episode of Rights for Women podcast. I'm a Sydney-based writer and author of four novels published by Hachette. My debut was The Single Ladies of Jacaranda Retirement Village, published in 2018. And my latest release is The Tea Ladies of St. Jude's Hospital. And like my guest today, I'm also a doctor. Today, it's my absolute pleasure and my honour to be interviewing the Brisbane-based writer Fiona Robertson about her debut release, a short story collection by the title If You're Happy, which was published in 2022 by University of Queensland Press to great acclaim. But before I start chatting to Fiona, let me tell you a little bit about her. Fiona Robertson is a writer and doctor. She's the author of the award-winning short story collection, If You're Happy, which won the Glendower Award in the 2020 Queensland Literary Awards, was shortlisted for the Steel Rudd Award in the 2022 Queensland Literary Awards, as well as for the 2018 Ritual Prize, which is where I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, we met for the first time in, in person. We um, did. So, uh, yeah, that was a fantastic evening. Fiona's short fiction has been published in numerous literary magazines and anthologies and shortlisted for international competitions. Fiona, welcome to Rights for Women. Thank you, Joe. I'm so thrilled to be invited. So pleased that you could join us today. Fiona, you have one of the most impressive writing CVs I've seen, listing oh, all your really? um, awards and, and shortlistings. Uh, um, it's all smokes I, and mirrors. <laughs> can I ask, have you always wanted to be a writer or is this something that you came to later in life? I think I was always a big reader because I was an only child till I was eight and a half, so I read a lot of books and, yeah, I remember as a child attempting to write, writing a few poems, attempting to write a novel in the style of Judy Bloom, which didn't go very well. But then you know what it's like, you get busy with life, high school, you're so busy, university, work. So it really wasn't till my kids were small and I was at home more and had time to reflect that I started writing. 
probably also by that stage had some life experience and some maturity as well. Bring to I like it. to so think so. This is craft of writing episode. And when Pam invited me to be a guest presenter on the podcast, I knew instantly that it was you I wanted to interview. Oh, because not only am I a great admirer of your work, but I also don't think there's been an episode purely devoted to discussing short story writing. Mm-hmm. And this is a genre, I think we can call it a genre that is very close to my heart since that's how I started my own career by writing short stories. And there's so much to talk about, but let's just jump in at the beginning and perhaps start with defining what is a short story. Anton Chekhov said that a short story should feel like drinking a shot of vodka. And Stephen King likened it to a kiss in the dark from a stranger, which depending on your point of view, could either be counted as absolutely thrilling or a terrible physical assault, I suppose. Anyone who's ever tried to write a really good short story knows it's not easy. So Fiona, in your mind, what is a, a short story? And or perhaps if it's easier, what do you think makes a good short story? I think that is a really difficult question to answer because I think it's so subjective in terms of what is a good short story. I because you get very kindly gave me a, an idea of what kinds of questions you might ask, I was frantically Googling this a day or two ago and I found a quote by Anne Enright, the Irish writer, that really appealed to me. I think she said, trying to talk about a short story is as easy and difficult as talking about walking or words to that effect. And that really resonated with me because you'd think it would be straightforward, but it's not really. So the only answer I can come up with that I think is a universal requirement of a short story or at least one that I consider a short story is change, that things are worse and worse or things get better and better or worse and better or there are even some stories where it looks like things are going to get better but in the end they return to where they are. But that's still satisfying for me as long as there is some kind of narrative progression each of your stories we do meet the character at a point of change don't we and and the wonderful thing is that they're all facing some sort of challenge or a change and the way not everything is wrapped up neatly by the end of the story you I mean you know late into the story you leave early it's not a full scene it's not even like a sort of a chapter of a book is it it's not a short novel it's almost like looking peering in through a window at that particular time in 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 their life and what i loved about some of your stories is they didn't end at all how i imagined they would but the character has changed and moved on yeah i think with any of the stories in the collection they don't necessarily end, like you say, the way you might expect or even hope, but they end the way they have to, if that makes sense, for that character. Yeah, that's right. Do you know how, it, have you got a full picture of how the story is going to be? Do you have to plot it all out to begin with? Or do you start writing and it's as much a surprise to you? Yeah, I don't ever plot it out. <laughs> There's probably a couple where I've thought, I think this is what's going to happen in the end. And that isn't always the case. It will usually surprise me what happens. Sometimes I even just start with a line that appeals to me and then which sounds really silly and um, not very professional maybe, but that's what entertains me about writing short stories, not knowing where I'm going. 
Yes, exactly. And I think that does build the, the excitement in the reader as well, the sort of element of the unknown. So what is it that draws you to short fiction as opposed to, say, writing a longer novel? I think initially as a beginner writer, it was it seemed achievable to write a short story as opposed to a novel you've never written before. Oh, I'll write a novel, which some people can do. But for me, I think the short story seemed like achievable. And also you get that gratification sooner. I think I wanted to have the feeling of having completed something. So that was part of it. And I think also there are quite a lot of opportunities for having your work seen through competitions, submitting to literary magazines. And if you do enough of you get a little bit of feedback, you might get long listed for something or you get a nice letter saying, we didn't choose your story, but we liked X, Y, and Z. So I think when you're a beginner writer, that is really helpful. Whereas if I was, the first thing I'd done was write a novel, I might've had two years of having no idea if I was any good at what I was trying to do. Absolutely. Yes, you say that there is that, that, that sort of almost instant feedback and, and entering competitions. Oh, there's really nothing to lose, is there, by entering your stories for competitions? No. As once you start getting over the wounded pride issue, then no. I think initially when I sent things off, that it really hurt getting rejected. I didn't realise that was all part and parcel and even the best writers still sometimes get rejected. I didn't understand that at all. But it's <laughs> I soon did. And so, yeah, I just learned, okay, it's a numbers game. You just got to keep sending them out and sending them out. Comes back, re-look at it over, improve what you can, send it out again. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how many drafts would you say of a story or how long would it take you to write a story from the sort of first idea through to something that you were happy to submit to a, a competition? I guess that would have varied like when I first started and I was not as good it would I probably didn't I would send them out too soon basically these days I would very rarely write something and send it out in under six months because it needs to sit I need to come back to it with fresh eyes my writing group will usually have a look at it and give me feedback and then I need to work through their suggestions so yeah, it takes longer the more I realise I have to improve. Yeah. Yes, that, that's right. I've noticed that it seems to be that short stories are enjoying something of a renaissance at the moment. There's certainly been a proliferation of short story competitions springing up. Short story collections are growing in popularity amongst readers and thankfully publishers are recognising this and jumping on as well. But it's not just readers. I get the impression that writers are looking, turning to short stories to sharpen or extend their writing skills as well. And there was a book that came out a couple of years ago, the George Saunders book, A Swim in a Pond in the Rain, in which oh, we yes. did a deep dive into seven yeah. short stories by some of the great Russian writers like Chekhov and Tolstoy. And I gave a copy of that to each of my writing groups. So why the sort of renewed interest in the genre, do you think, Fiona? I don't know. I do wonder sometimes if it, that we're time poor and you can complete a short story say you go to bed and read every night you can finish a whole short story whereas you can try and find where you were up to in a novel and read a bit and hang on who's charlie and go back so 
I wonder if that's part of it. It's achievable. I wonder sometimes with us all flicking between devices and not immersing ourselves maybe as much as we did in the past when there wasn't so much choice of how to entertain ourselves, whether the short story suits our shorter attention spans potentially. That's a really good point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's about the attention span. I really don't know. Yeah, Mm. I do... I do think it's wonderful that some publishers like my publisher, UQP, are supporting short story writers because they can't be read by people if they're not published in the first place. So I'm very grateful to my publisher and to other public, other Australian publishers in particular who support short story writers. Yeah, that's great. I think even 10 years ago, it would have been quite difficult to get a even a really good collection published. But thankfully, Absolutely. now we're seeing many more. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to turn to your book now, which I've had okay. the great pleasure to read twice now. And it's, each story has pr- improved even more on, on reading as I, I digest it. Um, I think in some ways, it is a something of a masterclass there. Your writing style is so clean and precise, and yet somehow you manage to say so much more than the words that are, are written on the page. And I think you also manage to showcase your extraordinary versatility as a, a writer, part exploring point of view and tense. You've written stories in first person, in third person point of view. You've written some in past tense, some in present tense. Snowfall, one of the stories has three points of view. And One Sunday Afternoon, which is a story about an Afghanistan vet, is written in alternating present day and flashbacks. And you even managed to pull off that unicorn for writers, which is a successful story in second person, which is the story about the young man who breaks into a building. And also setting the stories range from being set in North America to Thailand, there's Edinburgh and Scotland to, to Christchurch, New Zealand. And also in Tone Fiona, the opening story Tempest is set in the middle of a tornado in Texas, and you really get that sense of sea and danger. But you also have the quiet and incredibly moving story of an elderly couple in, in, in birthday wishes. And I wonder if one of the advantages of writing short stories is that you can experiment with these different sort of writing styles and voices. Yes, definitely. I think that's another appeal that you can play because you don't have so much at stake. You can think, oh, I'll just try this because to write a first draft at least of a short story isn't going to take you years or months and months and you can get a feeling of whether it's likely to work or not. So absolutely, yeah, that's a real joy for me is mucking around, trying different genres even depending what sort of captures my attention. Yeah, yeah. Do you know the way what's going to work for a particular story? Do you is there a, do you start out instinctively in a third person past tense, or do you just get a feeling for what's going to work for, for that particular story? I think mostly I do have a bit of a feel for it. There might be one story that started out in third person and switched to first. I certainly know there, I can remember the story about the second wife in the fundamental Latter-day mm. Saints community, that story, Sweet Bountiful. That started, I think, as third person 
and it just did it wasn't alive I really needed to get into the head of the second wife so that story I switched mm. fairly quickly but I think mostly it is just a feel how yeah whether I want the story to be quite immediate and breathy or whether it's a reflective story in mm. terms of present tense past tense so mm. The only one that I thought, oh, I'm just going to... Actually, there's a couple that I thought I'm going to muck around. Second person one, I deliberately chose second person. But I think even then I thought this is going to get the reader right in the head of a young teenage boy. So even though I set out to write a second person story, I think it was hopefully the right choice for that story. I think it definitely wasn't it. Yeah, really well. And then another story that I do think it came quite organically because I wanted to showcase a few different characters is the one and you may ask yourself where it circles the first character you read about it's in their point of view it circles back to their point of view and that was really fun to do and to showcase a few different characters I think this is one of the joys of a short story as opposed to a novel, really, where you are stuck in either yeah. third person or first person, present or past tense, That not that it gets boring, but that you can keep the writing fresh and keep the interest in writing as well, because that's sustaining that through a sort of 80, 90,000 word, word oh, novel yeah. can, can be a challenge. Yeah, and I think... It's pretty hard to write a novel in second person, for example. I think it can get almost claustrophobic for the reader, whereas if it's just a short story, I think the reader is more able to deal with second person. Yeah, no, that's great. I, Fena, I read somewhere that you once said that tension is more important than drama. I thought that was a really interesting question. What Can you explain the difference? Oh, gosh. I actually stole that from a workshop with Claire Keegan, the Irish writer, and that really struck me because I thought, yes, that's so true, that tension is about upping the stakes, making the reader uncomfortable in a good way. Drama is the events themselves which may or may not increase the tension drama is there's an explosion one car crashed into another car but you may care a lot more about the way your mother raises her eyebrow slowly at you when you say something than two cars colliding you know the tension is more important than the drama you don't want the reader to hold their breath almost, don't you, as you know, yes. you're raising the stakes. And that can be uh, as much in a conversation between a married couple or a situation in a domestic setting as opposed to yeah. in the middle of a tornado or um, yeah. an earthquake. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's yeah. fascinating. So, Fiona, I'd like to move on to discuss a little bit how you actually put together the collection If You're Happy is described as a collection that explores the human heart and its desire and capacity for joy, and it certainly does that. I'm just wondering if you wrote the stories with a particularly defying theme in mind, or was that something that naturally arose out of your writing? I didn't write them with a theme in mind. At one point when I noticed that I'd written quite a few stories that had 
natural disasters or wild weather events, I thought, oh, that could be when I was maybe midway through writing what I've now written, I thought that could be a unifying theme. I should start writing stories specifically with that in mind. And that just killed my creativity. I thought, I can't do that. I have to write what I want to write. And so looking back on what I'd written when I was trying to put together a submission for the Queensland Literary Awards, basically it came down to what's decent, which stories do I think are decent. And I noticed the theme of people who are a bit lonely, people who feel like outsiders, people who are unhappy in some way and trying to work out what to do without how to alleviate their loneliness or their unhappiness. And, of course, the wild weather events and natural disasters are still sprinkled throughout there as well. The stories that you wrote a while ago when you first started writing, had they had your sort of style or subject matter or the way you wrote them or the way they read, did that change compared to some of the newer stories or was there always that sort of voice there? I think the voice was similar, but the oldest story in the collection from when they were accepted by UQP was probably only about five years. So I, although I started first writing in, I think it was 2011, the more recent ones were better surprise. So I think I did have to go back when I was preparing the submission for the Queensland Literary Awards. I had to go back and clean up the stories. I used to explain too much. I used to maybe try and use fancier metaphors you think oh I'm being literary if I describe the sun like a yada yada so I think I actually cleaned them up more is what I did no they and I think that is what came through as well it's it seems to be very well edited obviously by you with your fresh eye reading some of those older stories so how was the editing process with the publisher was there much input into the layout of the book and how the stories worked in order, actually polishing some of the stories themselves? Yeah, so I had my editor and my publisher both read the collection and gave me feedback. The biggest changes were probably there were a couple of stories where the ending wasn't quite strong enough. So they let me know and I agreed and reworked those and then little changes in the story about the Afghanistan flicks between present time and what he's experienced in Afghanistan. Structurally stopping the flipping, I had a story where you flipped rather quickly between the two and they suggested bringing that together. So those kinds of changes were really helpful. And then story order because I'm a little bit obsessional, my publisher, Aviva Tuckfield, said, have you thought about story order? And I said, oh, and I had this document with colour-coded for male, female, main protagonist, location, a quick summary of the topics, and I'd come up with an order that I hoped the reader wouldn't read three stories all set in the same place or four stories all with an older female protagonist or whatever. And then my editor and publisher both 
made a couple of suggestions, just switching one or two around, but it basically was similar to that order. What sort of word length were they? Are they all of a similar Did word they count? range? I think the shortest one's about 1,500 words and the longest is just a fraction over 4,000 words. But I tend to have this spot around 2,500 words where a lot of my stories will sit. In my opinion, you can't do anything about how long or short your story is. I don't feel like if you write a story and it has a sense of completion, you can't go, oh, I'm going to tack another 500 words on to make it X amount. I, I think you really have to end it when it wants to be ended. But you have this sort of internal clock almost. I find this when I'm writing a scene in a novel, I get to about 1,700 words and that seems to be, and in fact, all my four novels have all been 84,000 words. It almost seems oh, wow. like this sort of internal wow. measure that, that I uh, yeah. you know, have in- internalised. Yeah, that's that- interesting. So looking, particularly going back to that story about the Afghanistan veteran, which I believe was inspired by your brother's experiences I wanted to ask you about your inspiration people I think are always fascinated to hear where writers get their ideas from and Somerset Moore claimed that he had small powers of imagination but great powers of observation and your stories are so varied I can't help feeling you must have an incredible imagination or is it that you're an astute observer where would you say your ideas come from? I think I do have a good imagination, but I'm like any writer, I'm a magpie. So I, they come from all over. I'm sure it's the same for you, Joe, and for other writers. They come from watching Netflix, like the story about the fundamental Latter-day Saints community was from watching, I think it's called Three Wives, One Husband on Netflix fascinating documentary and then did more research overhearing conversation a story someone else tells me even just an emotion like I do want to clarify with that story that is completely fictional and the only way it's inspired by my brother is that my brother has served twice in Afghanistan but nothing like that ever happened to him personally I guess I was more exploring the idea of what And I don't know what his experience was because it's not something he can talk about. But trying to understand how those kinds of experiences might change you was what made me come up with this scenario. So I do want to be clear because I don't think he would like anyone to think that. No, exactly. Honestly, hand on my heart, it's not anything he's ever told me or anything he's Mm. personally experienced. I just tried to think of a scenario that would scar you in mm. some ways forever you know as just a way of trying to think of yeah what he what emotions he might have felt coming back from a situation like that yeah that's right so yes I, it's always fascinating isn't it it's always really hard to answer that question is it where does your ideas come from because they are all around always beware of that person mm. sat in the corner of the cafe with their notebook because they're likely to be a an yeah. eavesdropping writer and I think Liz Gilbert said that the ideas are all around us and one might appear in your periphery and all you need to do is just turn your head a fraction 
towards mm. it and just notice it. So, yes. as you say, it can be anything, even casual comment or so. Particularly, when you have to come up with so many ideas for your short stories. So, I'm sure that you're somebody whose radar is up wherever you, you go, looking for perhaps not consciously looking, but, but no, noticing yeah, not things. consciously, yeah. but yeah, yeah, you're right, probably yeah. subconsciously. And as I said in the introduction, we're both doctors and there's a long tradition of doctors as writers. And many like Chekhov and Morn aren't known for their short stories. And recently here in Australia, we've seen short story collections published by other physician writers, such as Melanie Chang's award-winning Australia Day and Karen Hitchcock's Little White Slips. And I'm sure that you could tell me others as well. What do you think draws doctors in particular to write short stories? Well, I think in terms of writing in general, I think it's probably a good outlet for them, a stress outlet for them to process what can be traumatic experiences sometimes in a clinical sense. And I guess a creative outlet when the skills that you're using at work are analytical and logical it's the flip side of that but also specifically with this short story I think it almost mimics a consultation if you're working like you and I did as GPs it's a story within a brief space of time which is a bit like a short story and you're privy to people's deepest secrets and sometimes you're they're literally naked they're not just exposing themselves in a metaphorical sense but exposing their bodies so I think a short story can capture some of the things that you experience as a doctor. Yeah I think you're absolutely right and I, I think particularly as a you say we both worked as GPs and that sort of consultation where you know so much more about your patients you'd know their backstory their history and their sort of social situation and yet you would see them for this little sort of brief moment in time for this particular problem and then they'd leave and go on with their lives and maybe see them again but I think that mimics doesn't it what a short story does you can only tell so much because every every sentence every word really counts doesn't it when you've got so few of them yes You can just give a slice of life like your patients give you. They can't tell you their entire story from birth to whatever age. But also, I guess, doctors are often time poor, so I think short stories suit that as well. And I think we see, we probably see so much of life. I think the whole discipline of medicine is based on this the narrative of the case history isn't it and so it's always we hear stories all day as well don't we we although we wouldn't of course because we swear the hippocratic oath we wouldn't ever reveal outside the consulting room we wouldn't use our patients stories in our own stories but how how what would you say if people recognize themselves in in stories is that because of human characteristics do you ever write about real people no I honestly don't I'm not saying that none of there are definitely some of my characters that have some traits of people I know but I there's not a single character in my short story collection that I think of as other than who I've named them 
and who they are in my mind, which is not anyone real. I've actually tried, I think, when I first started writing short stories to write a fictionalised version of something that had actually happened to me. And I found that really constraining and I didn't enjoy it at all. So I think you take your knowledge of people, which, as you said, you are exposed to such a wide range of people from all different backgrounds, all different ages, all different experiences, and that is great for the writer brain and people not just there to fill out a form, they're there to tell you about a deeply personal emotional condition or something that's troubling them physically that they're embarrassed about. You really are let into their lives in a way that's unique, I think. And I don't know about you, but I think what I take away from those consultations, those face-to-face, is not the actual story or the detail or the person, but it's the emotion that you feel in you having listened to that and to engage with that person. I take away the essence. I sometimes feel their fear, feel their pain. And I think that's where it fuels my writing is holding that emotion. Yeah, absolutely. Such a great insight. Would you say, here's one, a question for you. Would you say you're a doctor who writes or a writer who happens to be a doctor, Fiona? I love this question because (laughs) I think I used to be a doctor who wrote. The, The doctoring was primary and the writing was secondary. But it's become increasingly important and as you've changed my work to more readily accommodate writing in 2014 I'd say having made that change made the change in my brain that I am a writer who is also a doctor rather than the other way around. Yeah that's a really good way of looking at it. I when I've been asked that question or when I've been asked whether being a doctor has influenced my writing, I would say that it has definitely made me a better writer, but that also being a writer has made me a better doctor as, as well, I think. Because yeah, of, wow. There will be a number of aspiring writers listening to this podcast, no doubt. And you've been so generous with your time and advice, but I'm wondering if there's any other advice regarding short story writing specifically that you might be able to offer up, things that tips that you've come through experience or things that you've learned from mistakes. Any advice, Fiona? I think with a short story, first of all, don't clear your throat. That's something that I still have to be aware of. Get into the story. Don't spend five paragraphs before action occurs. I think it it needs to be honest and true. You can't try and be Ernest Hemingway or another writer that you admire, which is not to say that you can't try to emulate some of the things that you love best with them, but I think you have to be who you are as a writer and not try and show off or impress people, just tell the story in your voice. And I think, again, that took me a while to work out. So all these things take time, of course. I think for me... A good short story has to make you feel something, whether that's or the experimental form, whether you, you laugh because it's really funny or whether you feel moved and moved to tears or something like that. But I do think 
it has to make you feel something or it's not a good experience for the reader. So I think that's worth keeping in mind. And I also think the best stories have more than one layer. So they're mm. not just about the alien who drops into a woman's trolley at Coles. They're also about that woman's life and how she's fighting with her husband before she came to Coles. Or it's got to have two levels, I think. Those that's great things. Great are, advice yeah. there. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So we're running out of time now. So can I ask what's next for you, Fiona? Are we going to see more short story collections or have you been tempted to turn any of these? Do they feel like they're a bigger idea that might need a, a novel to accommodate them? I am writing a novel at the moment. I hate even calling it a novel because it's such a mess. Yeah, I when I, after I'd had the short story collection published, I thought about writing more short stories. In fact, I have written a couple, but I wanted to challenge myself with something that I've never done before, hence writing a novel. So that's what I'm doing. I think it's always good to to challenge yourself. I remember one of my medical colleagues saying to me, every day is a school day, and I feel that's something I take on board as a writer. I like to be learning and always slightly outside your comfort zone. I think that's the only way you're going to yes. improve. Yes. It's not a pleasant sensation <laughs> to be a learner all over again. You never stop learning, as you say, but to be a complete beginner at something, but... It's also good. It's exciting as well. Congratulations on If You're Happy. It's an absolutely an absolute delight of a book, a polished and a accomplished. And thank you for being so generous with your time and all the wonderful advice you've shared with our listeners. Can you just tell us where listeners can buy your book? And also, if they'd like to find out more about you or follow you on social media, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at Fiona R. Robertson. And I do have a website, which is FionaHRobertson.com, just to be confusing. The book Brisbane readers can buy it at my favourite independent bookstores, Avid Reader, Riverbend and Books at Stones. And I believe it is available in some Dimmick stores as well and other bookstores. It's online, of course, at Booktopia and other online stores. There's Kindle versions. You can buy it through the UQP website if you want to. And, yeah, I think that's those are the places to go. <laughs> Fantastic. I do hope that we see much more of you in the future. Congratulations once again and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks for listening to Rights for Women. I hope you've enjoyed my chat with this week's guest. If you did, I'd love it if you could add a quick rating or review wherever you get your podcasts so others can more easily find the episodes. Don't forget to check out the backlist on the Rights for Women website. So much great writing advice in the library there. And you can also find the transcript of today's chat on the website too. You can find details on the website on how to support the podcast through Patreon and get exclusive access to the extended audio and video of the monthly craft episode. And you can connect with me through the website at rightsforwomen.com, on Instagram and Twitter at w4wpodcast, the Facebook page Rights for Women. Find me and my writing at pamelacook.com.au. Have a great week 
And remember, every word you write, you're one word closer to typing the end. <laughs>